The Million Dollar Sundays are back. AmericasCardsRoom.com, your premier poker site for real money cash, is raising the stakes on April 12th with the Million Dollar Sundays Tournament. You can buy in directly to this $1 million guaranteed tourney for just $540 or win a free seat through our daily free roll. AmericasCardsRoom.com will help you get started with a huge 100% first deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you enter the bonus code CASH. This is the opportunity you've been waiting for. Download and deposit today. AmericasCardsRoom.com Okay, welcome to episode 32 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. Alex, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm doing great. How you doing? Thank you for having me for the 30th great. time. 30 seconds. 30 Actually, seconds, yeah. And if you include all the you were on quite a few times before as well. I mean, uh, I think you kind of like hijacked the site. It's like it's a <laughs> hostile takeover by Assassinato Inc. Yeah. So uh, we're just like a subsidiary now. Yeah, um, it's like so it's like Amarillo Slim with Johnny Carson, you know, before all the molestation oh, charges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't molest me. <laughs> Already off yeah. to a great start. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we should mention that we're proudly sponsored by americascardroom.com. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the tournament just passed at the weekend there. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. And join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. And this episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website. And search us on iTunes. You can download them all for free. Uh, if there was a way to charge on iTunes, I would do it, but there's not. So it's free for you. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't think you can charge for the podcast. I think you can only do it for, like, tracks and stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I think you need to release it as an audiobook and stuff. And to be honest, the website's set up that it automatically goes on iTunes, so I'm I'm too lazy to figure out anything else. So (laughs) uh, it's free. It's free. Content's free. Freemium, as we mentioned last episode. Um, We got a few things to talk about, but uh, Alex anything you want to discuss first before we get into it? We're going to touch on a topic. I'm sure people listening probably saw it. This is the 26th of February it's been recorded. 25th of February, Daniel Negrano was uh, typically outspoken last night on Twitter and quite a lot of people jumped on something he said, which I'll touch on. And uh, I got kind of involved in it and he was replying to me a couple of times and We'll get into that during the podcast, but Alex, any house notes? Not really. Uh, if you guys want to check out my Twitch site, that's like the new hub of everything, twitch.tv slash theassassinato, and that has all the deals we have going on, and that's the only place you can watch me play live and listen to my thought process for free. And if you guys want to support all this, you know, we are very set in jest, like I would charge you for it, but, you know, I'm not going to do it. But, like, we like to keep this all free for you guys. But if you're, like, a serious poker player and you feel like you want to learn more, uh, we have a thing going on right now. I'm actually releasing it today, uh, the ad and everything. For $19.99, you can get every uh, broadcast I did during uh, the month of February on Twitch. If you subscribe on Twitch, which we really appreciate it because that, like, keeps the servers on and everything, uh you get most of the videos, but if I play a licensed song at any point during the session, it strips the audio. And unfortunately, it stripped the audio. Uh, my commentating over my second place finish in the full tilt, 
And yeah, we used to do this stuff like, you know, like privately, I'd be like 20 bucks if you want to see all the live videos of me playing, you know, and like people would just pay just to like see the statistics I use and the programs I used and everything and, you know, try to implement it into their game. Now there's full commentary. Now there's me taking on questions and there's lots of bonus stuff. It's not just the deep run and the full tilt, the second place on the Sunday, the biggest score ever in Twitch history which I'm going to I'm going to ride that like as much as I can because I'm sure that's definitely I'm sure that's going to get overtaken at some point pretty soon with Big Dog Pocket Fives and all those guys getting in but like uh yeah uh we're like today I'm going to be reviewing my friend my friend is a uh, a very good live player but he's just getting in online he's playing $10 NL and we're going to be talking about like $10 NL hands and stuff like that that's all part of the package and yeah, 1999. Uh, we'll probably we'll probably put up the information on uh, one outer and everything. But yeah, you know, and uh, check out assassinatohud.com. It's my new product. And yeah, that, that's it. That's like the big stuff. We we we're not going to do the 20 minutes of plugs anymore. That's that's it. I feel a good minute 33 seconds is about all we need. You know, out of a uh, yeah. out of an hour long podcast or whatever. And I only used up. You know hour i mean a minute 12 seconds so anyway <laughs> let's talk about negranu yeah just a touch on that as i said last episode that was the first time i looked at your twitch site and that seems a really good concise way for everything to set all your offers and products everything's sort of there for anybody that does want to do it because i know i know people that listen to the podcast and they sometimes message me and go oh i forgot you, you know i did that because you do have a lot of content and a lot going on and uh, just check out that twitch page like alex says and everything's really visually quite good as well it's quite clear and concise what's on offer from from alex so you can check it out that way um yeah negrano let's talk about negrano um (laughs) he he said you know i'll 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 go on his twitter just now because i don't want to (laughs) misquote just to interrupt you really quick right there negrano is one Let's talk about Negron. <laughs> like <Yeah>. done. <laughs> like, no, whatever Negrano said, he's won. Like he's whatever you disagree with, he's won. Just because we brought yeah. him up on, he ain't even shown up on our podcast. He ain't giving us the time of day. And look at it. Look at this guy. He's getting he's getting front uh, <laughs> front page treatment, as it were. Okay, I got it here. Um, wait, wait. Two equal candidates. Uh, one is in good physical shape. The uh, other is a hundred pounds overweight. Would that factor into your voting decision? He's got better question. Two candidates you see for the first time, one in great shape, the other a beast. Before they speak, does it matter? Uh, do you judge someone's ability to run a country based on how capable they are or running their own body and health? And he's got for me. It's not only a factor I would consider, but I would certainly be a tell as to their level of self-discipline and integrity. Um, and people completely jumped up on that now Daniel Negreanu is always outspoken he says stuff since all this choice centre type stuff that people speak about I don't even know the ins and outs in it I don't really follow poker as much as that anymore I still have a few of these guys on Twitter and stuff and obviously I follow a lot of the listeners back and stuff so I get to see it this stream of consciousness the current poker industry environment um, on Twitter, if you can call it that, and it was like people completely jumped on it and were, were saying, and I think I very rarely get involved in anything on Twitter like that, I don't have the time 
you cannot convince someone in 140 fucking characters either way. Right. Uh, it's it's not my job to try and convince anybody. I, like, you can't get everybody to think the same way as you. Like, he can't get everyone to think the same as him, and I can't do likewise. So, but I, just something about that word and, like, the way he's coming across, like, this newfound spiritual advisor or some stuff, something like that, it just made my skin crawl a bit. Like, um... And people were just saying, like, integrity. Like, how could, how possibly? What does it have to do with integrity? And he came back and said, like, every time you say you will do something and don't, it's a broken promise and a breach of integrity, even if it's with yourself and stuff like that. And, yeah, that's, to me, that's semantics. You're arguing with, like, a definition. Integrity, when people say... And also, he was presuming that people that are overweight are saying... Um, I'm going to lose this next week and then stuff in their face again, you know, that week and not doing it. So, but my argument was, well, some people aren't saying that. They're just like, yeah, I'm this size, whatever. I'm not saying I'm going to lose it or anything. Um, but he just kept coming back and was just like, you know what it's like? You said something at the start, like he's won anyway. In Daniel Negreanu's mind, the way he comes across to me is, no matter what anybody else says, he is right. He's not one of these guys that strikes me as, being open to input he just comes back with like kind of like he's poker a little bit like you say something it's all deflection and this and that right. and speaking and mumbo jumbo and just like sort of verbal diarrhea with people and when i i was calling him on it like oh integrity is this and then he got right into stupid things with people like saying where are we if you tell someone you will meet them at 7 p.m and show up at 7 10 p.m that is a breach of integrity a broken promise I mean, what the fuck? That's not integrity. <laughs> what? So, like, you're 7 p.m., something happens, your car breaks down, and no longer you're a person of no integrity because you fucking didn't get out the car and sprint to get... You know, what the fuck is... Like, really, is that? So, I actually hit him with something quite funny, and he responded to about six or seven of my tweets. Wow. Um, like, going on. We were having, like, an un, uh, a, a dialogue going on. And it sort of like went on and on. And then I was just like, he's got, I've never met in my life an obese person that preferred uh, being that way, given the choice. And I was saying, but the argument is you are presuming that they are saying that, like, I'm going to eat healthy and lose under pounds, then eat poorly. I was like, your point is completely invalid and irrelevant because it's, I was like, I agree with your hypotheticals, but in reality, it's complete nonsense. You know, it was like, Anything hypothetically you can say to prove a point, but the reality is not everyone that's overweight is saying they're going to lose it or try and lose it. So anyway, we went on and on and back and forward like this. And eventually, I remember in 2012, as soon as he said that shit about if you say you're going to be there at 7pm and you're not there at 7.10pm, that's a breach of integrity. Well, I remember in 2012, Daniel Negreanu, I spoke to you at the World Series of Poker after the 50k horse, like you came off the break. And um, I said, oh, I run the podcast, you know, onehour.com. I've had Phil Helmuth on Greenstein. We, listeners, I'm sure, would really love to have you on. And he, he was a bit standoffish or something. And I consider myself a good reader of people. Like, from a young age, I've always been involved with people with buying and selling and fairs. Like I've said previously, I just, I, I think that's one of my, I can judge people. And he was just a bit something. I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it. And he was like, oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, and he took the card. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll message you. Uh, we'll, we'll set something up. I was like, okay, no problem. He, he took my card. 
So I said to him, I tweeted last night, I gave you my card at WSOP in 2012 to arrange you coming on the podcast. You said you would message, but never did. And then integrity, question mark. And he never replied to that, you know? So Uh, I I mean, yeah, I mean, I was about to say, oh, you took it to him. But like, I I don't know, you kind of bring it up. Like, I, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and there's sometimes I want to get high and mighty about something, and then, yeah, I think of, like, when I did something, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, don't... Yeah. Well, it's like, he's he he's into Christianity, right? Uh-huh. Uh, be careful, you know, uh, don't judge lest you be judged yourself, you know? <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. No, and I'm like, I like Daniel. I think he's good for the game, and it's like... But at the same time, it's like, to me, these guys are characters. I Poker is like, I love poker quite a bit, but like, it's just my job. And I don't really consider poker players normal people. So like, I in really, this has helped me a lot because when they get into their little things, like they all like, I, I always use the word Asperger's because like, I worked with kids with autism and stuff. And, like, that used to be my job. Like, I used to take care of kids with autism and whatever. And then, like, you know, when I got into poker, I was like, this is the same shit. Like, they get they get obsessed with these little things and they get off on it. It's like, it's really clear, like, maybe he came upon that and, you know, it, it's like, and by the way, like, Negreanu, a hundred times the poker player I'll ever be. And when you when you're that intelligent, you're so used to being right about things i think you yeah you do come off as standoffish when you take a more uh nuanced or controversial decision but yeah it's like and that's the thing to me like to you and me like i don't know like my uh i i've been exposed to both like north american culture is really big on that like oh yeah yeah you can stay at my house and they don't mean it right and like you can uh you're supposed to know that doesn't mean anything and, like, that's always so weird to me. And, like, when he took the card to you, it was like, and I'll, I'll call you to set something up. That was, like, a big deal, right? Like, Yeah, well, he said he'll message me. Like, he could have just says, oh, no, it's not really for me. I've got a lot of, you know, commitment. I usually do the Poker Stars 2 Plus 2 show or something. I would have been fine with that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, and it's weird because, like, in North American culture, I'm so used to that. But at the same time... I don't know, my my dad would have a thing, like, if you say something, you're going to do it, right? And it's like, it's it's weird to me, the whole, okay, I'm sorry, I'm, like, really off topic, but it was like, it's weird to me, like, I I don't know, it, it the, okay, going back to the weight thing, you know, like, okay, first of all, you assume that, per, like, I remember when people used to say, like, smoking is a sign of weakness. I used to love to smoke cigarettes. I used to love to smoke uh, a lot of things mixed with tobacco that was my thing i really enjoyed it and uh to this day i probably would still enjoy a cigarette but you know i met my wife she didn't like the smell and i quit smoking you know what i mean it wasn't i couldn't do it i just did not want to you know and when people would do that oh you know i i hated that in the states like oh you're a smoker you're satan it's like i am an adult i can make my own decisions You know what I mean? I have this vice, but you know what's something I don't do is like I don't sit on my ass all day bitching about what how things are going wrong in the world and it's other people's fault. That to me 
is a much worse vice, you know, blaming other people. And that is completely acceptable in society. But I was working 12 hours a day. And yes, I did used to smoke pretty frequently. I was a chain smoker. I, I was a chain smoker and I drank coffee all day. But I was doing things like taking care of my mother, uh, you know, taking care of my little sister. I had a little stress. And yes, I had a vice. And there were times I got overweight. And yeah, like, you know, if food was my vice, that's my decision. And it's not like, you know, there were times I really didn't care about it. And it wasn't really so that, that's so weird to me. And it's like, and it, I, I don't know, it's like, I can understand like the underlying logic. But like, I used to be a very heavy set guy. Like when I was younger, I was a I was a left. This isn't going to mean anything to you. But I was a left tackle. That's the guy who in American football protects the blind side of the quarterback. So like, if that guy's not, you know, a big dude who can like stop anybody, he's not going to get the job. Right. That used to be my job when I was a teen because I was just a big dude. And I remember like uh, a doctor prescribed me uh, Adderall, which is essentially an amphetamine and it killed my appetite and I got real skinny. And I remember everybody treating me like I was suddenly a great person you know what I mean? Just because I was skinny, when in anything, I, I when in any direction, I knew I had become a dick. Because when you're taking an amphetamine like all day, you're kind of short tempered and you say some weird shit. Right. And like it was just weird to me, like how, you know, it's like, oh, you're a better person now because you're, you know, like people would just give me the benefit of the doubt so much more often because I was skinny. And yeah, it's like I understand, like, OK, if a guy like made. But, like, he's a big Obama supporter, right? Didn't Obama say something about, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes? And then, like, I, I don't think he did it, right? Like, and, you know, I don't know. It's, and I'm pretty I, – I, I mean, that's his full contact poker picture, right? Him and Obama. Yeah. Like, yo, yo, check it out. This is my guy. So, I don't know. It's weird to me because, like, if he used that example with, like, somebody he, like, obviously really supported you know i'd really respect it i'd be like oh yeah he's calling his boy on something but when it's just like i'm sure this is uh there's a few republican hopefuls who are pretty heavy set i'm pretty sure this is where it came from i don't know i'm i'm just ranting this is such a weird thing to me <laughs> like you know it's what i'm just, saying well, the whole the whole thing that gets me is like the way he tweets and the way he says things is like, I see, like, Brian Mycon and a lot of these guys getting on him about, like, this Choice Center thing in Vegas and whatever that is, the way it operates. It's, like, one of these places where, I don't know, I don't even know what it is, um, but it's, like, meetings and things about how to be a better person and how to go about life and such and such, and it just seems a bit, like, not my cup of tea, you know, that sort of stuff. And um, it seems like that, like, they just get on this, high horse and yeah and i mean defend it to the like refuse the facts and just that's their belief now I, you know it just seems a bit honestly like i really i i believe in christ and christ is my savior but this is what drives me nuts about christians too it's all that like we come together to be better people and then like yeah it's that high horse you know, I'm better than you because I'm doing this and it's it, like at yeah. least in christianity there is clear like scripture that says like this is not what i intended you know like you know your savior washed the feet of 12 people <laughs> before he yeah. went to his death you know what i mean but yeah i get worried with things like choice center or whatever because it's it's 
people bringing together philosophies about how to be better. And it always seems like deity figures come out of that. And the yeah. deity figures can tell you to do anything. And obviously this choice center seems pretty benign, but it's like, this is very in league with like, I, I mean, okay, this is, I, I okay. I, I'm not going to go where I was going to go because I'm it would have been a shit storm. But no, I mean, I feel like when you give people an, uh, an amount of power over how you're going to live your life, I think that can lead to very dangerous, uh, a, a very dangerous progression, as you know, as we've seen in many different. I, I mean, uh, look at communism, 120 million people dead. That's like six times what the Nazis did, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's actually, I think it's way more than that. Or it's like, but anyway, not 120 million, but I think it's way more than six times what the Nazi did. And it's a, you know, you can, obviously communism looks like an awesome idea on paper. We're all going to share everything. Everything's going to go real well. But yeah, when you put people at the center of your, and I'm not saying Negron is doing this. It's just. But then, like, people – I feel like people need to take these, like, front-line, uh, front very hard stances on things when it gets into this very hard-line philosophy on life. And that gets really weird to me. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this might be why a lot of poker players suffer in business. In poker, you have to go with your convictions regardless of what the results are. You can be having a horrible year, and you're going to get so much crap advice – and so many people trying to change your game. And honestly, like, this isn't... I can see why Negrano ha takes such a hard stance, because, like, I bet he's had years where everybody gave him terrible advice. He had to stick with it. He had to stick to his guns. And when he stuck to his guns, he made $4 million the next year. And, you yeah. know, this is how we measure achievement in life, in a lot of North American capitalist life, uh, if we can cri criticize that system as well. And uh, we certainly grade people in poker based on that. You're not really a real person to many poker players unless you get those scores. And then you're a superhero if you get the kind of scores Negrano gets. And then you have a lot of people, you know, treating – it's like, oh, you couldn't be right about anything wrong. And then, you know, when you step out from that, it can get – you know, obviously it gets very uh, – <laughs> it gets very – it gets very uh, nuanced. It gets a little more controversial when you take it to, would you trust a fat politician? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's like, I don't know. It's one of I, I don't, does he talk about that because he feels passionate about it? Or like, I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know. He strikes me as like, like you say, he's one anime. People talk about it. His brand keeps going. He's kind of created this, he can say something that's divisive and, controversial in some camps and kind of get away because people are like, oh, it's Negrano. But I noticed more and more people on Twitter kind of have a go at him, you know, really? rather than like, oh, Daniel, you know, whatever, can't do anything wrong. And it's just like, we, I think personally people that bang on about integrity all the time and say honestly all the time are usually the opposite. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's just my, that's just my Dude, experience. I, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Negrano fan. Um, I went through stages. I used to, when I first saw him on High Stakes Poker, I hated him. He was hilarious. <laughs> on the first season, the second season, with these, like, highlighter pen-colored shirts, uh, you know, and, like, the, the blue penny rounders and stuff like that. It was like Edward Norton had spewed up a bad, the reject character of Spider <laughs> rounders or something. 
And then it was like, I got, as I got more into poker and started listening to some of his interviews and read some of his blogs, I really started to like respect him and think, wow, you know, he's not just this persona that I saw on high stakes. And I thought it was really interesting and good. And his sense of humor seems funny as well. I think he's got a good sense of humor and um, the way it goes. But then I all sort of like the last couple of years and then when I met him in Vegas, I don't know, just like instinct or a hunch or something. I just, nah, he's, he's not, yeah, he's he, not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's a, uh, I, I mean, if I could set my line here on, I've always found the guy to, like my two favorite tournament poker players are Negrano and Helmuth just because by watching them, I've learned so much. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily we could be good friends, you know. That's like, uh, I, I actually think, like, I probably would clash pretty hard with both of them if I met them personally, you know. I Because I, I have a tendency to be pretty hard on my friends, and I get the idea that wouldn't be welcomed with their <laughs> their demeanor, you know what I mean. And uh, But, like, uh, I, I, I love, like, Phil Helmuth has a genius strategy as far as, like, raking in the chips, like making it look like he always has a big hand that gets cracked as opposed to him being, uh, I think, like, just a genius when it comes to tournament poker, like, to the extent nobody understands. And Daniel Negroner's on the opposite spec- side of the spectrum is just so... It's one of those things, like, even if he's faking it, I, and I get the idea we're starting to see that, you know, he's a very intense guy who may, yeah. may have a, f- a few more, uh, it, it, you know, have a little more trouble than maybe we understood before. But even if it's all bullshit to me, it's like the fact that he tries to talk to everybody and tries to be nice to everybody and tries to be, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like that Tom Cruise thing. It's kind of weird at some point, but, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> the fact he's trying, I, I think that's like, you know what I mean? And it's like we, uh, he always is trying to like get along with the new players and he, I've never seen, uh, I, I've never seen him like big time somebody when they come up to him. And I think that's like really good for the game. Uh, I, I've learned a lot from him, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, to me, it's, it, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I could be friends with most poker players to be honest. <laughs> and Daniel Negron is uh, on that list. It's just, you know, it's a very, like, I don't know. You have to, it's just like, I, I don't, I was really into competitive games and a lot of things. And it's just at a very young age, I understood that these are very different people. And if you go in expecting this to be like, you know, you and me doing business on antiques, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be that way. It's just not, it, you're going to be disappointed really frequently because they're up in their head. That's why they're the way they are. And sometimes that can come off in a way they don't even mean for it to come off. And yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I think you got to pay attention and take what you can, learn what you can from each person. That doesn't mean, you know, I think a lot of poker players lose a huge opportunity learning from Phil Helmy. If I learned all my short stack game three years before everybody was like raised folding from everything and flatting from everything just from watching Helmuth and Negreanu. But, you know, yeah. everybody liked to make fun of Helmuth and Negreanu, so they didn't learn from him. And so you gotta, you kind of have to separate it and just accept what you can from each person. But anyway, all right. Yeah. We have been, I mean, I kind of, I, uh, I kind of left it as, yeah, Daniel, I respect your opinion, but you're fucking wrong. You know? 
Yeah, it's funny. I'll do I'll do what politicians do. This is a very nuanced issue. It's very complex. It's engaging. It's uh, it is constantly evolving. We can't really, you know, whenever they it's hard yeah. to give an answer to something, you know, yeah. the, the typical non-answer. But all right, let's get into Yeah, as some... you say, he's fucking one half an hour of the show on him. Jesus Christ. You know? <laughs> I, told you, I told you right yeah. before we started. I knew, uh, I knew. He's good. He's, you know what? I'd prefer someone like Negrano that actually says oh, yeah. something than, than someone's Twitter that's just like down to six big blinds <laughs> and such and such bagged up for the night. I mean, who gives a shit? Seriously. Yeah, exactly. Like, the amount of people I read, they don't tweet for, like, three months, and then I read this, I don't even know why I'm following them, and I see, like, bagged up 68k for the night. Who cares? Like, I don't have a PC, or, you know, I don't know why that's all on Twitter, unless you have to do that for, like, staking or something. Surely it's a phone call, but you've got, like, nine followers, and you're like, I've bagged up this for the night. Like, nobody's fucking... Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's like, uh, I feel... so boring. I know... The other thing is, like, I I really like Negreanu, like, at, for what he is in the game, and, like, guys like that. And I, I feel like... I know what it's like to try to make it fun for, like, fans and try to, you know, like, just put something out there for the fun of it so we can yeah. joust over an opinion and have people flip the fuck out and for no reason and just like take it so wrong and people who are not making an effort at all to make poker fun for the recreational player just shitting on you for even yeah. making an attempt and i hate those people i oh negrano can say some things that will like inspire rage in me but like it's not going i'm not going to be mad about it in five seconds because i know the guy's just having fun you know what i mean yeah. and that's kind of i i think that's part of poker i think personalities like that are what made the game great and i don't i just it's so sorely missing in the game now and i i'm kind of sad you know what i mean so i hesitate to criticize negrano because we need him like whether yeah, you like him or not he's you good, need he's him. good for he's good for the game and all you would want is, like, a healthy debate. I just got the feeling that he was, like, not open at all to, like, anybody else's valid points that they were saying. Not just myself, but other people right. and were I, saying, like, saying, like, what about Doyle and stuff? And he was just blanking that stuff. And you know, it, he wasn't, like... I, I, uh, I'm not saying this was the case in here, because I do get the idea, Negreanu really thinks he's right when he's right but sometimes i project on people more successful than myself like this asshole thinks he's right about everything and it's like yeah. he could have a strong opinion but he could be persuaded you know what i mean but like yeah. i always yeah i anyway all right all right yeah, some we, questions we, so to quote yourself we beat this to death yeah you know so uh let's get into the questions but first we'll just say how did you go in the uh the million guaranteed on americascardroom.com. I think I fired three shells into it. The action was great. Software were great. I was, uh, uh, you know, that was a pretty big undertaking for uh, them to bring the first American facing million, you know. So I was, uh, if there were some, you know, little hiccups, I, you know, obviously after what happened the last time, I would have been understanding. But it was like it was a very smooth ride. It was great action. A lot of recreational players. A lot of good players, too, and, yeah, I had a lot of fun in it. The structure was amazing, and I just, ah, oh, man, I wish I could get some chips together. I doubled my chips, but I didn't, I didn't do much else. It was just, uh, it, it was a tough day as far as, uh, I, I think I, I uh, if you watch on Twitch and count the buy-ins, it got pretty high up there. <laughs> like, it was a pretty, 
It, so your three was like five. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It was pretty it, – I was hemorrhaging. Like, it was – well, because, like, when you can rebuy into these tournaments, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'm still plus EV. And it's like I'm not going to get – you know, even if it's tw- yeah. 15X, I'm not going to, like, not rebuy into the million when I know I have an edge on this field. You know what I mean? And it's like – uh yeah, you know, it just racks up some days. And yeah, it was, and I was kind of thinking it's kind of cool with Twitch because even though it was a horrible day, I was like, I made something today. This might be the worst Sunday anyone's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was. They can all, see it. Yeah, At least people can see it. Exactly. And you sometimes. can see, I love this stuff because, like, when you do it for, like, uh, Card runners, like, my job is to educate you as much as possible, as fast as possible, give you the minimum effective dose. So for the busy grinder, you can watch something in 30 minutes and change your entire poker view. The Twitch is for the hardcore fan trying to get all the nuances, you know what I mean? And it's so cool, you guys. I can't put a session of me losing every dollar I have, although I think I did with Pocket Fives TV. Uh, Not Pocket Fives TV, Pocket Fives training. And it was... uh, it was pretty. It was pretty spectacular. Well, you the know. way I see it, the way I see it. Sorry, Alex. It's, Go ahead. it's, it's like it's like uh, sto- storage hunters, and you know these. Yeah, yeah. Every every week they find like, oh, this was Nelson's fucking gun from the battle. Of, <laughs> you know, this is like hundred thousand. You paid like ninety dollars for the unit. You know, every week because it's a stage show. They find like gold doubloons and coins and diamonds really? and stuff. <laughs> but but the reality of people that do this is like they go to these storage hunters week after week and don't buy anything. They they they, they or they buy something and it's a complete bust. Everything goes to the skip, or they maybe break even or whatever. So like you said, if you just watch someone like if you just watched hand histories of someone that gets first in a tournament every time. Then, because they've obviously running well, as well, you're not really seeing the reality, you know. Whereas, if you watch, you have a shit Sunday, then it's it's good. That is the best <laughs> advertisement anybody's done for my Twitch so far. Thank you. That is a point I did not think of, and that's really, yeah, that's really important. It's real poker, man. And I mean, I think that's kind of like what is fun about One Outer is we're kind of, I I I would like to think we're a little beyond the bullshit. You know what I mean? This is the first time we've ever talked about, like, a current event, and it was because it was something, like, in poker, because it had something to do with the outside world, and it was an interesting question. And I think yeah. people do are kind of prejudicial towards different types of people, and it was interesting to have someone so uh, cavalier say, yes, I do have that, and it was, you know, kind of a ballsy move by the guy, and it was fun to discuss, but I thought that was a pretty layered question, as opposed to, oh, did you hear this guy scam this guy? It's like, who gives a shit? Like, you know what I mean? Let's talk about what people are into, you know what I mean? The game behind the game, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Because if we spoke about every scam artist, I mean, we'd, the show would just be, <laughs> be a box set. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Don, you go, what were you going to say? No, gonna I say? was going to, I love it when I hear high stakes poker pro ripped off other high stakes poker pro. And oh, it's yeah, like, but... when I hear the people, I'm like, monkeys flute through shit at each other? Tell me more. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I could have seen that a mile away. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, once you get to know these people, a lot of... A lot of the a lot of the most successful poker players, nobody knows their name, and they love it that way. You know, probably like the best like storage war real guys. Probably no one knows who they are. My dad is like one of the best like commercial fishermen I know, and he would like very quickly say, 
you know, this guy, this guy, this guy is amazing, right? And I'm like, why are they not on Deadliest Catch? I'm like, do you think, and he goes, do you think they want anybody to know what they do? Of course not. And it's like, they watch Deadliest Catch and just lampoon it the whole time, all the shit they do, you know? And a lot of the guys who are really known in poker, like, you know, you know. <laughs> well, well I, I remember being in a, a nightclub in Hong Kong with a friend, and I was young, impressionable. You know, I was like 22 or something. And I was all about, like, yeah, you know, designer clothes, this watch, that watch, this car, <laughs> whatever. And I saw, like, a couple of these guys, and I was like to my mate, like, uh, they look like fucking, they, they look like serious players there. You know, like, not not with women, I meant. I meant just, like, in business yeah, or, yeah. or in life or whatever. And my mate, like, said a really good point. It was like, ah, don't be shit. He's like, real players are, like, at home in their fucking bed. Do you know what I mean? That's it's like they're getting they're not out in a nightclub at like half past two in the morning. You know, they're just it's like like you say, the people that you don't hear about, that's who's actually killing it mm-hmm. and doing it because they don't seek the fame. They don't seek the ego. They don't need the ego rubbing. You know, yeah. there could be some like little wizard sitting in his house just playing online, like crushing it. You know, and then just well, and like, yeah. the guys they confide in are men, and they're like, "Okay, here's my profit graph," and I'm like, "Jesus Christ, right? Like, what are you doing?" And they're like the most like demure, normal people you could imagine. And it's like, yeah, and then I get to work with some of the guys who are really big, you know, and it's like. I mean, if they could have me sign a confidentiality agreement, I'm pretty sure they would. But they're like, you know, they've won like millions, of, like literally like a million at a time. And they come to talk to me. Yeah, yeah I'm broke. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like what? And yeah, anyway, anyway, let's this is like let's get the question. this is the Adam and Dr. Drew show. Like, have you heard that show? It's like, did you no. it's. It's this comedian and this doctor take calls about health questions, and yeah, the com- the comedian now has all the money in the world, Adam Carolla, and he'll he'll just he'll talk for the entire show if he feels like it. He's like, you are lucky if you get a question, and and that is uh, that's how we're going today. Sorry, guys. Anyway, yeah. Uh, all right, let's shoot him with the questions. Uh, first one is from Dominic. Hi guys, I have a question about making a tournament schedule. What types of tournaments should we register? What about late registering and how to approach the registering when we are deep somewhere or not? Thanks. Fold pre. Next question. No, <laughs> couldn't resist now that we have to be a little more brave. But uh, <laughs> what I do for tournament, actually, I, uh, I was just talking with uh, my, uh, I don't know what you call this guy. He's, a, he's, he's about to get his master's in psychology, but I, I mean, he's more of like a mindset coach, right? My guy. And uh, I needed a guy I could work with a lot. And uh, Jared Tendler is pretty pricey. And this guy and I were like personal friends. And he made a great point to me. It was like, the reason why you get bored with poker is just because, you know, you've gotten the basics so far down that really it's the more esoteric, like subtle things that would really interest you. And if you're playing too many tables, you're not going to be getting into that. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, I hadn't thought of that because I, I, on my massive Sunday loss, I was playing everything I could imagine, but they, uh, and I really think this applies for many poker players these days who really have a real sense of fundamentals. And I think you should find, like, ask yourself what's the most comfortable number of tables you have and then subtract two. And then that's how many tables you should play and you should never go beyond that. And I want you to remember it's a buffet. Remember the first time you went to a buffet 
And like you were like, I'm gonna get everything here, right? And by I, I, I actually do remember the first time I went. You do, there. you do. Was it um, like that? Well, we we call it a buffet here. Buffet, <laughs> buffet. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, all right. You little, uh, little closer actually, to France. Me and my. This is quite funny. So you know, we can run over the hour today if you've got time, Alex, as well. I, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. Questions. I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, there was a place in. It's still going, I think, in some towns in the UK. It was called Garfunkel's, and. Uh, there was like this restaurant and they did, there was a buffet as we call it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, me, my younger brother, I mean, I was like, I think I was 10 or nine and he was like, he's three years younger than me. So he was either six or seven and we loved our food. We've loved our food since whatever, you know? And um, we went to this buffet and there was spare ribs oh, and man. they were the first proper spare ribs that we'd had. Like, I mean, we'd had the odd, but these were proper done, like barbecued spare ribs, okay? And I shit you not, right? We went back and forward, back and forward. <laughs> I, I, could, I couldn't eat this much now, and I can, I can eat, like, pro, especially protein, you know, steaks, ribs, shit like that. Yeah. I can go, you know what I mean? And we, it was, my mum still says to this day, it was like the fucking Flintstones had been at the table. <laughs> The amount, the amount of bones that were on the plate, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> That's what she said. She was like, it was like the Flintstones had been out for tea. You know, it was like wow. insane. And to this day, I've never had ribs as good as that. You know, they were of just course like, not. Yeah, like, it, it's a, well, okay. That's the complete yeah, opposite of the point I was going to make. But cool, <laughs> thank you. No, I was going to say, remember the first time you went to a buffet and you loaded up on everything and halfway through you got sick and you didn't eat the rest? That's, see, that was the point I was about to make. But you did, <laughs> okay. you did remind me of what it's like to be a kid and hungry and uh, yeah. super, you know, there are times you can gorge and it's amazing. But we're going to assume most of the time when people go to a buffet, they do not have the experience Barry has, where they just get everything and halfway through it's kind of bleh. It's the same thing with poker tournaments. People register for everything. And then, you know, like halfway through, they're just really grinded out. They're not really able to focus on anything because they don't have time. And they kind of get into this like, ugh, you know, like poker. You're trying yeah. to avoid that. That's why you have a maximum number of tables. And then I would say pick the sites you're willing to work from. Work from the softest sites forwards. So like poker stars would be the last you load up. And remember, there's poker tournaments all day, every day now. So... You know what I mean? You don't have to play everything. It's way better you learn more about poker, play harder. All the best high-stakes players I know played like two or four tables, right? You obviously are not going to be approaching the complexity that cash games would have, so you can go to eight or ten or whatever, or twelve if you feel really comfortable with that. But, you know, you should start with, like, I'm going to load up a couple tables here uh, from this soft site, a couple tables here. And then late regging, I think, is fine. Uh, late regging in uh, rebuy tournaments really is not as bad as a lot of people think it is. And uh, uh, it, there's uh, also uh, late, uh, late regging in a lot of tournaments still shows like a positive expectation. But just, you know, realize the point where it's like, okay, this is kind of excessive. And, you know, remember, you don't have to play everything. Less is more in tournaments. And I'll tell you what, I had a... I used to play everything and anything uh, just because my game I thought was that good at that time. 
And one time I got into 150K of makeup, and then I said, okay, I'm going to play a maximum of 10 tables, right? And I, I implemented this structure, and I cleared that makeup like within a month, you know, and it just consistent, 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 getting confidence, consistent, focusing more, uh, more relaxed when I play, noticing more uh, components of the game. And then, uh, boom, you know, had that W coop second chance chop. And then it, you know, get one 120 K and got $0 of it, but you know, it was cool. It was cool. All right. Next question. Um, the next one, uh, I, I just touching on that guy. He also said how to approach registering when they're deep somewhere. Would you kind of say if they're really ooh, deep, just, ooh. just stop, stop. Adding Wait, or... Well, it's like my buddy made a point. Like my, I got a friend who like, he's an investor and like he, he used to, you know, I used to play on his money for a while and he made, he was the guy who really kind of designed this. Right. He made a point to me one day. It was like, you know, look at the, look at this 2k, right. It was like day two of a 2k. And he was like, you know, right click, you know, right click and search for them at other tables. And I did that. And like every reg was like eight tabling. I was like, yeah, man, they got to grind. That's their thing, right? And he goes, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Their stack is worth $7,000, and they're risking it to make $4 an hour in some turbo on the side. And I was like, my head exploded. I had never thought of that. And a lot of times your chips are worth like, you know, like if you get deep in like something a little higher stakes, it might be worth like eight or ten times your average buy-in. So, yeah, just don't be registering. Great point. Thank you, translator, for the normal people. Barry, that was great. That was yeah. an excellent point. Okay, and the next question, um, we'll do this at the same time because it kind of relates to what you've just said. So while you're on that sort of train of thought, it's from uh, DM McAvoy 32 on Twitter, and it is, how important is multi-tabling to profit and how many tables minimum? Well, it's uh, if you're playing on, like, I had a guy yesterday, he's a... Uh, he's playing on a South African website where like nobody knows what they're doing. And like, I went back to my lesson plans a couple years ago and it would probably destroy everybody. There is what we found out by examining uh, his database. And, you know, on that site, he was like, I'm playing three tables. I was like, perfect. Right. Just focus on your three, four tables. If you can manage it to whatever, you know, and just implement these things. Right. And he's crushing already. If you're playing on Poker Stars, where like the edges are so much more finite, uh, you're gonna have to play a lot of tables, and you're gonna have to play a lot of days. So, this is why I tell people like, if you're in your 30s, you know, the time to play like 20 tables at a time is kind of past you. And I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. And uh, I mean, this goes in. If you watch like competitive games on Twitch, there's not many 31 year olds rocking Call of Duty. And I've experienced this myself. When I was 19, I could play 16 plus tables all day. I mean, I used to play 70 hours a week, 12 tables, 16 tables, most of that. And I loved every minute of it. Now, like if I play, I played, you know, honestly, this uh, I just got this lesson again. Like it just keeps happening. I keep thinking, yo, man, I'm still young. I can still do this. And I play all these tables, and I have, like, world record loss losing days live. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm 27 now. This is way – and it also has to do with, like, when you're in your 30s, you're thinking about a lot more, you know what I mean? Whereas you're a little more run and gun when you're 19 years old. So I tell people, you know, if you can play a little higher stakes and less tables on a softer site, that's better. 
I, I think the 30-somethings crush live poker because the young guys are just too jumpy. You know what I mean? And you look at like Phil Helmuth or Eric Seidel, they're in their 50s and they've had these momentous years, you know? Yeah. So if you want to, you know, a live is obviously as slow as it could possibly get, but there, it's a data overload if you're really paying attention and good with people. And, uh, you know, it's a really a question of what you think is right for you, uh, how good, you know what I mean? This is kind of why... It sounds weird, but like you should play video games and see how good you are at them. Like just even logic games or whatever on that. Uh, there, there's some website that does uh, it, Luma, luminosity.com. There's like logic games you can play. There's stuff on your cell phone and just see how like fast you go. Uh, I was playing like a puzzle game the other day, Doctor Mario. I'm a big fan of that. I got a super. Love new, it. Yeah, it's my. Love it. It's like my favorite <laughs> since I was a little kid, and. Uh, you know, a friend of mine was handing me my ass over and over again on this, like, Super Nintendo emulator I'd hooked up to my PlayStation 2. And I was like, dude, like, I'm, you know, I've slowed down a bit. I'm thinking a little too much about everything. And I was like, well, you know, that's fine. That's really good in poker to be thinking quite a bit. You know what I mean? That's not a bad thing. You just got to play less tables and you can't, you know, uh, you can't play Dr. Mario on the high speeds anymore or what have you. But, yeah, good luck to you. Okay, the next question is from, would you like to do a hand history or would you like to discuss just like a, a question? Let's, a do, let's question. do a question. <laughs> I got, I, I'm going to be discussing hand histories for like four hours today. So let's, uh, okay. Let's, okay. let's do, let's do a regular question today. Okay. Uh, it's from David McNamara too mm. on Twitter. I lose my mojo sometimes when I go deep in a tourney. Any thoughts on that? Losing your mojo deep in attorney? Uh, what, wait, hold on one second. Oh, okay, thank you. Sorry about that. You guys got... No problem. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> anyway, you lose your mojo deep in attorney. It might just be because of a fear of failure. Uh, I always hear, like, consultants going on this fear of success thing. I, I think that's horse shit. Nobody's... I don't know anybody who's afraid of success. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things like, yeah, you know, you might find out. I don't know. Like every time they try to justify it to me, I don't get it. But a fear of failure is a really big thing. And a lot of times this has to deal with when you're playing with money, you can't afford to lose. Uh, if you can, if you cannot, when you enter the tournament and you can't tell yourself this money is gone, I expect to lose. You shouldn't be playing the tournament the money has to be allocated and pretend it's gone. Fraz Jaka does this. I do this. I think it's really the best way to go about it. Uh, I think people like taking results too hard is like a really big deal. Like poker is not the be all end all. It's just a game. You know, it's just like we were playing grand theft auto online or something, you know, it's uh there's a lot of great people that, you know, struggle with poker for a long time. There's a lot of very, there's a lot of imbeciles that have done really well at poker you know, it doesn't say anything about you. It's a fun game. It, the great thing about this game is you can play with a very small amount of money and possibly win a large amount of money, and that's all it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. Uh, the other thing could be your diet. You could be uh, playing too many hours. Uh, you could be, you know, uh, something I used to do, I still do, is drink too much caffeine and just be tired uh, or drink too much caffeine without water. And... Uh, 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 it, uh, you could also, uh, you could also be, uh, what, what's the other thing you could be doing? Uh, 
Play, it's like burning out. Yeah, just burning much. out. Yeah, like playing too many sessions is really a huge problem I see with uh, guys. I play a lot less poker than a lot of people realize. Now, I've been working on my like business stuff the last three years, so it's been way less than it should be. But, like, you know, uh, I, I'll, like... I mean, like, I go, when I go to a live event, I usually go a couple days ahead of time just to relax. Or if uh, I take more days off than a lot of people do, and I think that's why I've been around for, like, 10 years, as opposed to a lot of guys, because a lot of guys play everything and anything for two years, and they burn out. You can even, uh, you can even see this with the greats, you know what I mean? If you go and really pay attention to that pocket fives uh, thing. And it's also, yeah, I mean, not making it interesting, just, like, clicking buttons, just like listening to music and playing too many tables and smoking weed while you're doing it, it will get boring at some point. And then you really have to reclaim it back, like trying to add more to it. And, you know, everything doesn't have to be perfect for you to congratulate yourself. You can reward yourself on wins if you just did something correctly or whatnot. But, yeah. My wife was pointing out my zipper was open. That's why I was, and I was trying, she was trying to do it. She was trying to do it quietly, you know, so as not to be on the podcast. I was like, what? You know, like, finally, you know, she like lost her. You lost Look, her. I said, I said at the start of the podcast, don't molest me. <laughs> Holy this shit. This is becoming, you know, come on. Woo, the is it a is it a panic button on Skype? Call the nine Yeah, alert the adult. You know, go straight to this call. I would also say to the guy, um, from my experience, when I was playing a bit and getting deep and maybe feeling a bit, not losing my I never felt like I lost my mojo, but I, all, I sometimes felt I was a little bit out my depth or a little bit um, unsure. And I would say work more maybe on the fundamentals um, because when you've got the fundamentals down and you're there, then a lot of the decisions are like taken away from you in that moment. And you can get caught up with like, right, I'm 14 players left, first like 10K, I've only got a bankroll that's like 2K, 3K, whatever, this is huge for me. And you can make, you end up in hand sometimes or, or little fancy play syndrome can creep in or something like that. So just if you maybe like take a little bit more time on the decisions when you get down to like the last few tables, use the time bank and stuff, and maybe work on the fundamentals off the table so that you've got them like just to hand when when you're in that situation. You know, that's probably what I'd say. Oh, and also I forgot to bring this up, but you got to eat like a lighter diet when you're playing poker. Like I love shitty food. I eat I'll, I eat probably a lot more than a lot of other people I know. And, uh, you know, like I, every day I start my day with like a pretty high protein breakfast. Like I try to get like 30 grams of protein. That seems. Uh, that, Tim Ferriss. Uh, I'm sorry? Tim Ferriss. Tim so. Ferriss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really, it's, uh, it, I, I, dude, I implemented that. My weight used to be like 40 pounds up, 40 pounds down for like decades and decades, like since high school, right? I started like, yeah, you know, protein shake or a bunch of eggs or whatever. And like my weight's just been very stable since then. When I've gained weight, it's been like not, I don't know, like muscle mass, but like my gut doesn't get bigger and I just have become like a bigger person. And it's been, yeah. And I have energy throughout the day when I do this, uh, you drink a lot of water. And like when I'm at tournaments, like I love, I'm like, I'm really big into like going to like a nice restaurant, eating good food or whatever. 
And, but like when I'm at the PCA, like I'm eating salmon and like veggies in the, you know, uh, in the diner or whatever it is. Right. And I'm drinking, uh, I, I'm not drinking alcohol. I never drink alcohol. I used to love, well, I was pretty, I was a pretty bad drinker, but I used to love to smoke weed. Uh, probably to this day, like if I smoked, I'm sure I'd be very exhilarated, you know, like it, my body really reacts to that. And that's something I really loved growing up. And I don't smoke weed period anymore because I just have to be on my shit when I play poker. You know what I mean? And if you want to talk about fatigue, man, like drinking or smoking weed or something or just eating shitty food will get you there so fast. You, you, you'll feel burned out and pissed with life so quickly. And, uh, I don't know, a buddy of mine, he's a professional like hockey player in Europe, but I do some other business with, he swears by a vegan diet. I don't, uh, it works amazing for him. And like, you know what I mean? But like, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm the high protein guy, lots of water. And uh, if you're going to eat like shit, make sure you're not like playing the next day or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like have your big, big, big meals. Like uh, when the next day you're just handle miscellaneous whatever anyways yeah that's a, that's good oh okay we'll we'll fit in the last question because i got us at like just under an hour recording just now so we've, we've been quite concise going through them after the negran and stuff and that so the last question is a hand history alex but it's a right. live question all right and the, the guys emailed it in so let well, me let's, let let's me, let me get us. my marker hold on a second okay let me see ah shit marker's not here okay you're gonna hear some typing while I, okay. uh, because I, I don't like missing things and be like, what, what yeah. did he have on the turn, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Like that old guy at the WSC. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> what did he have on the turn? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, it's from Aaron, and he emails in to say, Hi, Barry and Alex, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. I have a live 1-2-NL question I'm hoping you guys can discuss. Background, nine-handed table. I'm in two buy-ins, $400, and sitting with about $370 in this hand. Okay. I'm, de I'm dealt king-king, and my position is under the gun plus three. Uh, under the gun, a somewhat lag player who has just sat down 30 minutes ago and has a stack of about $150 raises to $15. The action folds to me, and I make it $45. Okay. Player, behind, player behind me folds and another new player, a somewhat tight aggressive player, but I don't have too much info on him, re-raises to $100 with a total stack of about $280. The action folds back to me, I think for about 15 seconds, and overshove all in. The opponent snap calls with ace-ace. Okay. My, initial, my initial thought process was thinking that it's about a 5% chance, I believe, for him to have ace-ace versus my king-king in a nine-handed game. However, in hindsight, given that the overall action has been too crazy and that he has four-bet me, I think his range is queen-queen, king-king, ace-king suited or ace-ace, and unlikely he's trying to make a crazy steal. Is shoving pre-flop a little reckless here? Do I flat and hope an ace doesn't hit and then get it in on the flop? Um, the board ended up running out on the river without any paint, tent high, so it'll probably would have been all in on the flop anyways, in hindsight. Hope you can get this question on the podcast. Thanks. If you can find a way to fold King's pre-flop, you're a better player than me. Uh, like, it's just, I mean, there are random times 
I think I've done it like once or twice before, but like it was so spelled out that the guy had like a better hand than I that I had to fold. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, there was a weird static for a second, but it was so spelled out that the guy and this, you know, your best guess is he has queens, ace, king suited, something like that. You don't really know anything about this guy. You always have to assign a random berserk factor here because now everybody's such a fancy player. So, you, I mean, you have to assign a couple percentages bullshit. It's kind of hard to believe. he. You don't know for a fact he wouldn't just flat queens there. That's the thing, you know. He's got... It, a lot of people are really willing to get it in in one two because you can just reload. Uh, obviously, if you knew this guy really well, maybe a fold was possible, but I don't think so. Uh, the like call and like get it in on any good flop, I think is fine if you think there's like a decent bluffing range in his. Uh, it, it, if he's got a decent bluffing range and. Uh, it's like either like he's bluffing or this is aces or like ace king suited. I like that play because then if the ace falls, you can, you know, now you're beating exactly queen, queen and uh, some of very few bluffs and then you can muck. Uh, however, if you think like, you know, you're getting it in versus all the bluffs. And then if he did overcommit himself, uh, I don't, you know, it, it, I, this is this is a harder situation. I would only flat there if the guy, I thought the guy could just randomly be like going after me some of the time, and but then it's really difficult to fold on the ace high board, uh, even then. But yeah, if you think it's like, okay, this is just a really polarized range, then I think that's a, uh, you know, just a couple bluffs and a couple value hands. Then I think the call check fold on an ace high board check get it in, on a non ace high board is probably your most profitable play. You have no real reason to believe that here. And I've seen in a lot of one, two games, guys just go like Jax, it's gold. Ace King suited. It's gold here. And, uh, I think getting it in would probably be your best option almost always. But that's, uh, that's actually a very interesting, uh, if we could, if you could forward me that email, Barry, I'd appreciate it. I'm trying to do a bunch of things right now. On Card Runners, I'm doing a thing called How to Study, and I'm using some of my students' hand histories and some like people who've sent them in. Uh, on Twitch, I'm planning to do some study sessions live, including one today. Uh, not that that's going to help any of you <laughs> because this is not coming out today, but I'm doing one today where I review hands. And one of the tools I use is Card Runners EV, and. Uh, uh, this is one of those things I'm trying to challenge like every assumption I have. And this is one where I'm pretty sure what I just told you is correct, but I cannot say with a hundred percent confidence. Most of what I tell you, I have checked and thoroughly checked and checked again. Uh, but this just doesn't happen in tournament poker. And that's most of what I study and educate. There's very few situations where a guy cold four bets and you go, Kings, are they good? I don't know. In, in, <laughs> a lot of times I have like nines and I'm like, gotcha, fucker. You know, but like uh, it, it, this is a spot I would really have to check on uh, Cardrunners EV. And you can uh, you can write us at assassinautocoach and gmail.com if you want to get a deal on it. Uh, if you want to buy through our website too, twitch.com 
I, I mean twitch.tv slash the assassinato scroll below and you'll see all the free stuff we have going on and then there's also there like card runners ev you can buy a copy but essentially what it'll do is like you assign ranges you assign the stacks and you go you know what was the most profitable play here and you can run the numbers on what if i call and just you know i get it in on this board but not on this board and not and then it'll give you an overall equity calc for the entire uh it'll give you an overall equity calc for the entire thing and it'll show you this is more profitable than this this has been really fascinating for me as far as like short sacks and tournaments there's a lot of times like chip ev the play like three bet folding is like the exact same as just jamming and then obviously uh if if you can retain like 21 big blinds or excuse me, like 20 big blinds or something like that, as opposed to just being broke most of the time when you get it all in, uh, that would be the preferred play. And I wouldn't have been able to make these summations without card runner ZV. So I, yeah, it's a really good product. Uh, I'm pretty sure there, uh, there, there is no chance you have enough information for you to fold there. It feels gross because you know, at least half the time you jam in there, you're seeing aces, you know, or 40% of the time you're seeing aces. But if you think queens and ace-king suited are in his range, and if you think this is 2015 and people just do goofy shit these days on occasion, you have to get it in there. I would be shocked if there was any way you could have gotten away from this hand. Not in this yeah. broadcaster's eyes it was possible. And it, yeah, when I, when I read it, I thought, like, I hate when people just, when I was again playing poker, I would hear oh, you know, when I was playing more regularly, anyway, I would hear oh, it's a cooler, it's a cooler. About every situation that just sometimes it wasn't, you know, it was like you could have folded there if you'd actually thought or looked. But in this case, without sounding, you know, I think I I think it's just a cool like yeah, kings, exactly. Kings in a cash game aces. You've already made it forty five. He comes back. He jams over the top of you. I mean. You know, yeah, someone's going to have aces, but yeah, he equally has queens. In, in, in cash games I've played, 1-2 NL in Vegas and also live in the UK, he's shown queens or jacks there sometimes, or ace-king. Or even if the guy's, you know, looking to gamble, I, I would need more information, but I've seen crazy shit at 1-2 oh, you know, in Vegas. All over the world. Like, I've seen people jam, like, ace-queen suited there, or ace-queen, like, let's get it in here, you know. Yeah. Let's just get it in. Let's gamble. Like maybe they want the other guy to call now. They may be stuck from blackjack, and they're like, "All right, ace queen," because this guy's gonna call, and then now he's gonna call. So we're going to be flipping here for like a, you know an eight hundred dollar pot or whatever. It's just like, yeah, you know. So I I don't think you can fold kings in a cash game. Uh, well, I don't. Was, I'm gonna tell you all a story. It was well. I mean, here's the thing. There are times like. I've been in that exact same situation and there's like a 65 year old guy on his like iPad who's been like playing solitaire the whole night and like literally hasn't touched a chip and all his chips are lining up. And then he cold four bets me here. I'll be like, fuck it. I'm going to gamble. You don't do this with Queens. Okay, fine. Right. And then usually I show the table because that guy's never going to bluff me. And then it just shows the table I'm a net. And then, you know, I can do the fill on me if I just call down everybody's bluffs for the rest <laughs> of the thing. But, I, okay, I had a hand. One time I thought of folding kings. I was in, I think I was in Hackensack, New Jersey, an awesome vacation spot. But uh, there was a live game that was insane there. It was like 1-2, but it played like 5-10. 
I opened, uh, comes around to a tag just like the one you're describing. Guy hasn't been out of line at all for like six hours. He three bets. With Kings, I four bet. He five bets it back. I six bet getting ready to call the jam. He seven bets it back like very small. I go, oh, Jesus, right? Because everybody with queens there just goes, fuck it, I'm all in, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, God, 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 right? And then finally I slide the chips in, and he groans, slides the rest of his chips in, and turns over 2-3 offsuit. Do not <laughs> underestimate the random berserk. It will happen, especially if you're like, you know, the guy who's been running game on the table. There's, there's some primitive... Uh, manly thing that's going to want to take yeah. you out. Oh, the seven deuce. <laughs> it was, yeah, the seven deuce. You, know, you guys want to know, I shouldn't tell you guys, you want to know what's the greatest hustle of all time? I used to do it every live game in Europe and stuff. It was like, introduce the seven deuce game and never play it. Don't yeah. ever bluff with seven deuce because they think if you introduced it, you must be trying to play seven deuce, right? You must yeah. be like trying to get the tip, make the tip something negligible and just sit there. I mean, this is back when I played like an 11, nine, like in 2007, I like literally opened Phil Hummy's book and I was like these 20 hands and that's it. Right. And it like took me, I couldn't believe where, and then I was like, shit, I'm not getting action. And then, the deuce to seven game came out <laughs> and all, and they were like, you know, I'd be jamming the river and they'd be like, this guy's such a nit. He can only have quads or it could be deuce seven. I call quads. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he's the guy who introduced it. I mean, come on. Like, but yeah. Anyhow. Um, that's, that's the last question for this week. Uh, there's a couple more where, yeah, we'll leave that one till the next time. And um, that's us. That's us, yep. And uh, were you ending it on that note? No, no. Okay, good. You, you get to do your plugs. There, there, there's another one there, but the guy got it in late, and it would it would be a good one to start next show because with the double episode last week, we got rid of a lot of questions. So we'll leave this guy's question to the next show, Jason. We'll leave you for the next one. All right, good. Yeah, and uh, uh, you do your plugs first. You go for it. Yeah, don't forget to get your questions in for Alex for the next show. We are doing this on a weekly basis for the foreseeable future. So it's your chance to get all this information for free and be featured you know, in a question. And as you can see, we don't go too hard on you. Any questions valid and will be discussed. Um, email questions at oneouter.com or tweet at oneouter.com or post them in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. And as long as they're in before 3 p.m. on a Thursday, that's UK, Scotland time, um, I'll usually get them into that episode unless there's like a backlog of questions that will be held over at the next show. So, yeah, keep them coming in for Alex. It's free and it's a great chance to, you know, get a specific question that you're looking for. Really think when you're playing, maybe make a note like, oh, I should ask Alex that or such and such because it's, you know, I'm sure everybody's got stuff to work on in their games, and take advantage of it. It's free to ask Alex. Ah, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why the show's called Ask well Alex. Well done, well yeah. done. Yeah. Alex, your plugs to close? Uh, they're simple now. Twitch.tv slash TheAssassinato. PokerHeadRush.com. Check out those sites. 
on those sites, you guys might hear my puppies wailing. Yeah, it's cute. My Maltese, my Maltese just had puppies. They, they bitch, huh. they bitch at me in the morning to put them in the sun, and then right around eleven, the sun becomes too intense, and they've all learned how to bitch in a chorus. So they're pretty cute, though. They're 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 adorable. Anyway, even though I just called them bit bitches for twice in a row, but uh, Twitch.tv/slash/theassassinatopot. Uh, pokerheadrush.com if you go to both of those portals you'll see all the deals we have going on plus hundreds of free articles free podcasts free videos and if you actually want to support us we have a ton of deals going on you can check out all of them there and you can check out all the fun stuff like my blogs uh, my rap battles uh, you know all the all the all the stuff we got going on we're trying to be very entertaining for you guys and mostly for free. But yeah, if you want to, if you're doing well in poker and we helped you throw us a bone, it'll keep, and honestly, all your guys' support. I thank you guys so much. All your guys' support makes all the difference. It's the reason we can do this once a week. Now it's because you guys backed it up. You guys got us to tens of thousands of downloads. You guys put us up there. We really appreciate it. You know, keep supporting. We'll keep bringing you new free content, all the different types, new, Keep expanding like we did with the Twitch. And, yeah, just keep having a good time. Thank you all. Yeah, cheers, and we'll see you all on the next show.